0: So in a couple of weeks, I get to do something that I have never had the chance to do before. Uh, As soon as worship is over, on April 28th, I'm going to go out that door as fast as I can, and Jessica is going to be waiting there uh, with the car engine going, and we are going to go to the airport and then get on an airplane. That is not the new thing. I have done that before. But what the new thing is, we're going to get on one airplane, we're going to fly up to Atlanta. We're going to meet my parents there, and then we're going to get on another plane. From what I've told, they serve us dinner on this airplane. We're then going to relax and then go to sleep. And when we wake up, we're going to be in Rome. Yeah. Yeah, that's about how I feel in my heart. I just cannot wait. Uh, It'll be the first time going overseas for me, going over to Europe or Italy or any place like that, and I just cannot wait. I'm so excited. Uh, And so to get ready for this trip, uh, Jessica and I are also on a new adventure. Uh, We're doing a 21-day full-body detox cleanse thing. And We're doing this because we wanted to make sure we were in the best shape, we were ready, we felt good and healthy when we got there. We know it's going to be a lot of walking, a lot of eating, and a whole lot of that good stuff, so we wanted to make sure we felt good. Now, in the the spirit of vulnerability here, I'll share with you the other reason we're doing this Uh, is because my health and my, my body size and all of that has always been a struggle for me growing up. I've always been a bigger kid, I've always... Um, still feel like a bigger kid most of the time. Uh, but that's just something that's always been hard for me. Maybe, maybe somebody else has felt that. And so we really want to start making some significant changes in our lives now so that we can live and be healthy for a long time to come. Uh, so as a part of that process and my lifelong journey with having this be a struggle for me, uh, I've offered up quite a few different prayers throughout my life asking for God's help with this. Prayers like, God, could you please not make cheeseburgers my favorite food any longer? (laughs) Or God, for once, could you please give me the self-control to pick a Caesar salad instead of chicken Alfredo? (laughs) Or must it always be key lime pie that my mother brings when she comes to visit? Things like that. I've asked God for prayers to help me make the decisions in my life so I can begin uh, to be healthier and to do those things. And I know this is a silly example. But it still makes me frustrated when God tells me no, when I so desperately want God to give me a yes to my prayers, and yet I feel like God continues to say no. But what about when there was a loved one that you cared about deeply or a friend that was sick and you prayed for them and you prayed for them and you prayed for God to heal them and they were never healed? What about somebody who went in for a routine surgery, and then they didn't make it? What about a child who's born with an incurable disease? What about natural disasters that come and decimate entire towns and states? We've prayed during and before all of those things. Is that God saying no? to our prayers as well? Maybe we thought if God really loved us, wouldn't God just say yes to our prayers? If it was serious enough to us where I need to ask God, since God loves me, God's just going to say yes, right? Maybe we wonder, was God hearing our prayers and just ignoring them? Was God even listening to me? Why does God say no to our prayers? And I think we've all asked these questions at some point or another in our lives, and perhaps a good time or a bad time or the in-between. And let me just say that it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to ask God these questions. It's okay for us to ask these questions to one another so that we can learn and grow and maybe come to some kind of understanding. But this sermon comes at a very appropriate time because we're right in the middle of the season of Lent or the 40 days leading up to Easter. And this is the season after all that we begin when we hear, remember that you were formed in the dust and it is the dust that you shall return. In this time of year, sorrow and grief and sadness and anger are no stranger to any of us. But through it all, through all things that happen, all things we hear and see and experience, I don't believe that God is not good. I do not believe that we worship a God who does not hear our every prayer, our every petition, our every word, and not respond in some way. Our cries do not fall on deaf ears with God. God hears us. And I don't think God is some kind of master puppeteer up in heaven just playing games with our lives and doing things to us for his own amusement and enjoyment. I don't think God is off in some far away heavenly realm sitting on a throne of judgment, watching us in this world and just wagging his finger at us when we do something wrong and saying, You should have done it this way. Or if you would have trusted in me more, it would have been better. That's not how God acts. That's not how God works. We worship a good God. A God that believes in forgiveness, in mercy, in compassion, in grace, and in love. And that's what God wants to give to us. I think the hardest part about this whole conversation is that uh, on this side of eternity, we might not ever get a real solid answer to this question. Why, when we so desperately want a yes from God, do we still get a no? When we so desperately want nothing more than a yes from God in our prayers, God still says no. And I think it's tempting to believe the lie. And I think uh, in our weak moments, we might tell this to ourselves that in our times of prayer, if we get a yes it's confirming God's blessing and heaven's approval of our request, while if, God, if we feel like God has given us a no, it's a form of punishment or heavenly disapproval. And that's not true. Let me say that again. If we receive a yes, that doesn't confirm God's blessing, and if we receive a no, that isn't a form of punishment or heavenly disapproval. But on this side of eternity, we might not ever get the answer to that question. And I know this is a very challenging topic. It was hard for me to write this. It's hard for me to talk about this when I know some of the pain happening in each person's life in this room and the things we've been through. I know this is perhaps resurfacing some emotions and some grief that we haven't felt in a while or somebody is very brightly in our minds that... uh, was touched by this conversation. And whenever those times come, and I feel like I don't have the words to say when I'm looking for an ounce of hope, I turn to Jesus. And I ask the question, where do I see Jesus in all of this? And there's a scripture uh, from the book of Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse seven, it's up on the screen. It says this. During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, the most perfect person to ever walk the planet, was told no by God. And we know this because on the night in which he was betrayed, we read in the 22nd chapter of Luke, it says this, he withdrew. About a stone's throw, this is Jesus, beyond the disciples, he knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus, who was always right, who was always perfect, offered up prayers and requests to God. He cried out with tears. And we know that God heard him and we know that God listened because God sent an angel to strengthen him. But the answer that Jesus still received was no. And it doesn't seem to make much sense. God heard jesus's cries and tears his own son he heard his perfect his obedient and his loving son who had never done anything wrong but god said no and jesus still suffered and died on the cross he wasn't rescued from the cross and this is hard to hear but god does not always rescue us from the trials that we face When those times come, I think it's it's appropriate to wonder if God hears us. You know, we cry out to God, God, can you hear me? God, can you hear me? I need you. But since we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and that Jesus lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we share in his righteousness. And we believe that since Christ lives within us, that God hears those cries, our petitions, but sometimes for reasons beyond what we can understand, the answer is still no. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the fourth chapter, what we read from earlier, just a few verses later, it says this, "'For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weakness.'" but one who is in every, who, who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with the confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace, grace to help in the time of need. Jesus heard God's answer of no in his life. But Jesus didn't allow that to harden himself and his feelings towards us and towards God. Jesus didn't say to us, well, I had it so much worse than you did. But rather because Jesus did experience pain, he can come alongside of us in our humanity. Jesus can sympathize with us. He can show mercy to us. And he can empathize with us. We can cry out to Jesus with our tears knowing that he is there to comfort us. But after reading some of these scriptures and offering a few explanations and examples, uh, this whole conversation still leads me to ask a few more questions personally, and perhaps they're questions that you're wondering as well. A question like, do I think that God tells me no to spite me? I don't believe that. I don't believe that's how God works in the world and in our lives. Do I think that God can say no to some of our prayers and our requests? Yes. God is God and God can do what God wants. Uh, Do I always understand how or why? No. Do I like that God does things a different way than what I ask for in my prayers? Usually not. I'd rather just God do it the way I asked in the first place because I know best. (laughs) But will I continue to have faith in God and be assured of my salvation and know that God is with me always? Yes. Yes, I will. So let's go back to the first thing that I mentioned this morning about this 21-day detox cleanse thing we're on. Uh, And I told you that throughout my life, I've offered a variety of prayers, asking for God's help. You know, please do that. Please do that. Maybe you could make my life easier by doing this. And I realized when I took a step back and I wasn't being so selfish that God, in fact, did answer my prayers. God gave me the resources, the knowledge, the support, the accountability, and the encouragement and a a, a great group of people to walk alongside me as as I make these changes in my life. You see, the prayers I was offering when I reflected was asking God to do things for me, and so I didn't have to change or do anything else. Sometimes we just have to recognize that God is answering our prayers, and God is answering them in a way that is far better than we could have ever imagined. Because in reality, I don't want God to change my taste buds. I love cheeseburgers but I'm so glad that God gave me a supportive community and group of friends that can encourage me and walk alongside me in the, on the hard days. So that kind of makes sense for that example. But the answer to that situation doesn't carry over to all of our other situations. When we're talking about death and end of life and sickness uh, and pain and suffering and grief, that explanation doesn't hold up because that makes God look bad that makes it look like God put those things in our lives or God caused those situations to test us. And I don't believe God does that. I don't believe God wants us to go through any of the awful things that we go through in this life. But they still happen. The situations still occur. And here's what I've come to learn. We live in a broken and we live in a hurting world where sin and injustice is rampant, folks dealing with relationships, people trapped in human trafficking, uh, in abusive relationships, hungry people and people in poverty all around the world and right here in our community. There's anger, there's lust, there's greed, there's violence, there's war, the list goes on. And all of that is sin and a result of folks not being in right relationship with God. It's the reality of our world. God does not cause those things to happen. But God is with us when they do. But perhaps you're hearing what I'm saying. You've listened to the scriptures and you say, yeah, that makes sense. Or, okay, that example, that was helpful. I could see things in a different way. Uh, But I still have these questions. And at the end of the day, I am still just mad. I'm mad at God for not answering my prayers. I'm mad at the church for whatever. I I just can't get past what happened to me, and I can't believe that God was there. I feel that. I know what that feels like, and I still carry some of that in my own heart. I was serving as a chaplain up at Duke Hospital when I was in seminary, uh, it was my first night on call. We had to stay 24 hours, so there was a chaplain always in the hospital. And I had just gotten back uh, to the on-call room after praying with a gentleman who was having surgery uh, first thing the next morning. I went to prayer before bed and prayer when he woke up. And I said, yeah, I'll come back, no problem. Uh, so this was about midnight. I get back to the room. I take off my shoes, and I thought, maybe I'll get a few hours of sleep. It'll be a quiet night for my first on-call. And what felt like as soon as my head hit the pillow, uh, that pager went off. And I called the number and they said, "Uh, yes, this is the pediatric unit. We need you over here as soon as possible. So I put on my shoes and I rush to the other side of the hospital and I find the room that I've been called to and outside are the doctors and the nurses and I see tears. And as I get a little closer to the door, I take a step in and I see an elderly woman just kind of hunched over the bed. And I take another step closer and I realize... That her grandson has passed away. And I just stood there. I had no explanation. I had no words of encouragement. I didn't even know what to say in a prayer. But I just stood there with her. And we cried. And we cried and we cried. And I don't know how long had gone by, but finally some more nurses came back in, and they said, hey, we've cleared out our our conference room, our break room, and we want you all to be able to go in there and have a place to sit and to have some silence together. And so we sat down, and to this point, we still hadn't spoken to one another. I don't know how long it had been, but we went in that room, and the next time I came out of that room, the sun was up. And I think to myself that I was sent there to be present with her. I wasn't there to answer the why questions. I wasn't there to offer an explanation, but I was simply there just to pray with her, to cry with her, and to be present with her. Our church is very blessed to have many ministries that do that exact same thing for people right here in our church family and our community You heard about the food pantry feeding 26,000 people a year who are in need. Uh, You heard, or we have a visitation team of uh, dedicated lay people just like yourselves who go and visit people in the hospitals, the nursing homes, folks that are shut in and take them communion once a month and give them a sense of community and reminding them that the church is there for them and cares for them. But we also have this thing called a Stephen ministry. And Stephen ministry, their sole purpose, their sole mission is to be present for people going through the worst day or the worst season of their life. These are folks who are there and they show up when people are dealing with the loss of a loved one or sickness or financial stress or grief or divorce or the list goes on. When you feel like you just can't go another step further by yourself, that's when a Stephen minister comes and stands next to you. That's what Stephen ministers do, and they have felt God's call on their life, and they have responded. So in just a few moments, we're going to have the great privilege of commissioning a new Stephen leader and seven new Stephen ministers into our congregation, folks who have committed to be present for each and every one of us when we feel like God has said no. And Brenda Haskell, who is the current leader of our Stephen ministry and a good friend of mine, as we were preparing for this service and getting everything organized, she she looked at me right in the eye and she said, Robert, we might not always understand why God says no. Or we may not always like it. But when those situations come, and they will come, we need to be there for one another as the body of Christ. And that's exactly what Stephen ministry is. When God says no, for whatever situation in life that we might not understand, we might not have answers for, an explanation for, we might not always like it, we still know that we need to be there for one another. We need to be present, we need to show up, and we need to care for one another just as Jesus cares for us. Amen.